0: It's now time for Race Chat Live with Chris Creighton and Craig Moore.
1: All right, good evening, Race Chat Live fans. It is Craig Moore. Chris Creighton will be joining us in a few minutes. Mr. CJ Sports is on with us as well. Taz Taylor is going to be joining us too. Probably close to the 9 o'clock hour to give us an update on all the local dirt racing action in the upstate New York region as well as... One more racing association news for the five one eight LMRO. But uh what CJ are you there? Oh CJ I hi. am. All right. So uh but last but not least, our, our super guest and I'm super excited for him. I don't know if he's called in yet. Um but he said he was running about five minutes late. That's not a that's not a big deal. But so, he spoke. let's He's
2: tell here. us some of our marketing partners, and we'll kick it off that way, and then maybe Mr. Bestwood will be joining us. He spoke. He's here. But, uh, okay. I want to make sure that I thank uh, Carolina Sports Plus. Without uh, this marketing partner, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. We'll grow the way we grow. Um am so glad to have them on board, and they've been on board for a few years now. Uh, make sure that you guys uh, give us a follow on uh, Twitter, at 110 Nation. Like us on Facebook, 110 Nation Sports. They're um, 110 Nation Sports. And then also check out this www.the110nationsports.com for all the latest going on here at the 110 Nation.
1: All right. And uh, it is. I don't know about the weather where you're at, Jason. But uh, here in upstate New York, today it was 86 degrees. When I was in South Florida two weeks ago, it was uh, 98 to 100 degrees every day I was there. But uh, I was I was happy for the nice weather. So, we're going to talk, as I said, we're going to talk about uh, local dirt racing. We're going to talk about the triple header that was at Pocono this week. We're going to talk about the IndyCar, NASCAR double header this week, this weekend. But uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, Chris, are you there?
3: Yeah, I'm here, man. Boy, 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 boy. I think we found some gold when we had that triple header this weekend. I know I enjoyed it. Of course, uh, Godfather said that, uh, you know, that they might have needed a catheter up there if they had stayed up there a little bit too much longer. Um, yeah, I heard but, that. Uh, you know, I think, that the, I think the fans have, fallen. all in all, they enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I mean, What other weekend could you get away with three races on a Sunday? I know we had a couple of rain delays and lightning delays, but man, it was just so exciting. It felt like uh, it felt like we got to do Memorial Day over again.
1: Yes, it did. And uh, I, of course, work on Sunday mornings. I work five to three at my at my day job, but uh, I was able to listen to a little bit of each one on break and on lunch. But uh, I was excited. I think the end of the Xfinity race, that was uh, that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. But, I um, love
3: the composite bodies. I love the composite bodies, Craig. I think that the composite bodies are going to be a great thing uh, for the NASCAR cars, for the cup cars. I really do. Um, they can take such a beating and banging. And, uh, you know, they keep on ticking, though. They can take a licking and keep on ticking. And uh, so I, I really I'm excited about what NASCAR is going to be able to do once both series are running those full composite bodies. Uh, just it was it was so exciting this past weekend. We got we got drama out on the racetrack. We had wrecks. We had cars actually with mechanical failure, something we haven't seen in a very long time. Uh, being that you know some of these cars ran you know almost 900 800 mile, miles. Uh, it was a uh, you know, it's definitely something different, but I believe NASCAR is going to gonna have to evaluate what happened this past weekend and really decide whether or not that's going to be uh, something that they institute in the future schedule.
1: Well, I, from a fan standpoint, I think it's great, and we'll ask Alan what he thinks about it from a broadcaster standpoint. Um, I do know that they use two separate sets of broadcasters for, the, uh, for all the races, but it's, it's definitely
3: taxing on your on your voice. Without, Are you ready to pull him into the studio, Chris? Yeah, I'm ready when you are, man. I just put my headphones on. If it all sounded right. like I was screaming in the microphone a minute ago, I'm sorry. I'm getting started. So well, that's, that's all right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct
1: pleasure to introduce, and actually I was driving to work yesterday morning, I turned on the NASCAR channel on channel 90 on Sirius XM, and what is the voice coming out of my radio? This man right here, uh-huh. Mr. Alan Bestwick. That was a good. That, that was that was an that was a very pleasurable voice to come out of my radio at 4:30 in the morning. Alan, how are you, my friend?
2: Are you there? I don't have anybody in the studio yet. I have someone in your area, uh, your area code there, uh, Craig. Okay. Um, that's, that's mainly, but I'll let you guys know when he's in there. All
1: right, I'll do that intro all over again. If you've got Taz in the studio, <laughs> let's do Taz real quick. Yeah, he's
2: in there. All right. Taz, how are you, buddy? Taz? Is he there, yes, Jason? Hello. I, I I pulled it back out because it must not be fast. You didn't hit one, so I'm gonna assume it's not fast. And it's right. here, 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 here. In uh, New York area code. I don't know if your area code, but New York area code. All right. So um yeah,
3: Chris, I like yes, it if if, like if, if, if if you're listening in, uh make sure that you press one. That way you can speak to the host there. Uh, your number will disappear if you do not press one. So yeah, that's for that's for any guest that wants to talk to the host. But go ahead, Craig, go ahead. All no, right. I just I
1: like the races. I I like the triple header. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Like I said, mm-hmm. I think it brought an air of excitement to NASCAR. Um a lot better than what we've had over the last couple of months couple of weeks now whether or not NASCAR will do that going forward who knows you know I want, I'm interested to know your thoughts Chris yes
3: I'm interested My to know your on. thoughts on
1: the triple header
3: and the double header and what we got going on this head week was- yeah, it it was awesome uh this past weekend. Oh, you're talking about this future weekend. Okay. So uh yeah, we're going to Indianapolis. We've got uh we've got the Indy cars that are gonna be running with the cup cars, but the cup cars, right, the cup cars are not gonna be uh on the uh road course, but the Indy cars are. Is that is that right? I believe that's right. So the Indy cars are going to race the road course along with the Xfinity cars. But Sunday's race is going to be the oval race for the Brickyard 400. I believe that this is one of those things where last weekend we, we enjoyed the racing. And, and look, I love the fact that NASCAR and IndyCar have joined together. For many, many years, everybody said, let's bring these two series together. I think Roger Penske had a lot to do with this, you know. Um, unfortunately, Tony Stewart was going to race this race, but he backed out of it. Uh, but, um, you know, as for uh, the, the excitement and the buildup, I wish I could have seen a little bit more uh, build-up for the anticipation of this race, considering, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that are expecting us to go to Daytona this weekend. You know, they, didn't, they don't follow the theories like, you know, you and I do, Craig. They're just uh, they're occasional tuners, tune-inners. Uh, they'll turn the TV on, and uh, they'll expect to see Daytona. But we're in Indianapolis, so they're going to scratch their heads. But, you know, once again, I believe that the buildup could have been a little bit stronger. After this weekend, though, we're going to have a lot to talk about because, man, never before have we had both major series, major racing series in one place at one time. What that's going to do, Craig Moore, is that's going to that's gonna build relationships between the IndyCar drivers and the Cup drivers Something that we've not had since the 70s, man. 70s and early 80s.
1: Exactly. And I think that once, and I've heard this over and over again, once Jimmy's retired, done done racing NASCAR, he's going to test an Indy car, and I believe a Formula One car. So we could actually see him running – Excuse me, Daytona next year, and maybe the Indy
3: 500 if it all works out right. Well, Which I, I think I, I think we got some good news here, man. I, I think our guest is here, Craig. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. All right, so let
1: me do this intro again <laughs> because he was not here yesterday morning. I'm driving into work about. <laughs> Four o'clock in the morning, I turn on, I turn on the radio. I got NASCAR on Sirius XM. I think it's ninety. What's the voice coming out of my radio? None other than our guest tonight, Mr. Alan Bestwick. Alan, how are you, sir?
0: Late, obviously.
2: That is fine. <laughs> wow. I apologize that for is... that. <laughs> that I've is got, fine. I've got
0: teal bumps. Uh,
3: I mean, this is this is an exciting thing right here, man. Thank you, Mr. Alan Bestwick, for coming on. You have no idea. Uh I think Craig and I both can, can say that, you know, uh racing has been influenced in our lives by your voice. Just having you on the other line here. I think we should wait until the end to say this, but man, the moment I heard you key up I got goosebumps. So I mean it's it's a <laughs> yeah. pleasure to have you on sir. Uh,
0: it's a pleasure. It's been uh it's been a magical ride for most all of it and um you know, I I couldn't even I could take up every bit of airtime you have to tell you about the friends and the stories and the adventures and and so on. But uh, but it's just fun to to talk to race fans and talk racing and uh, and uh, share a little time. Well, that's great. I,
1: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. When I told when I spoke to Chris a few weeks ago after I contacted you via Facebook, because it was funny you came up on people I may know. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna reach out to him. He may think I'm crazy. People who know me know I'm crazy. I'm like, but I'm yeah. gonna ask him if he'll come on our little-known show, and uh, let let him be here. He is. Right. And, uh, right. And here he is. So, so when I when I told Chris, he was like, "We gotta find a theme song for you." And uh, but. We're to do it, and we are honored. <laughs> so, I got to ask you: yes, How did definitely. you get your start in broadcasting?
0: In broadcasting, well, Earth, it goes back Earth to my I, well. It, it goes back to well. They're actually two different stories because I didn't set out to be a race announcer. Um, I set out to be a broadcaster, and um, when I was uh, in high school. My public high school in Coventry, Rhode Island, had a, a teacher who was a, a weekend radio disc jockey and had served on Armed Forces Radio, and he had a, an idea to put a radio club together. And it started out as something that played music from a little studio built in the high school auditorium um, projection booth, if you can picture that, uh, threw hard wires down to the students in the cafeteria eating lunch off oh. and be- oh. became – an actual FM radio station, uh, raised the money, uh, did the work in Washington, D.C., the whole thing, all, all from this, this one teacher. And so when I was 16 years old, I started as a disc jockey at uh, my high school FM radio station and started doing the play-by-play for the football and basketball and baseball games. Uh, the only reason I didn't do the hockey games was because I was on the hockey team.
2: That's a little and, hard.
0: Racing, yeah, it would have been a little tough. Although, you know, thinking about it today, the access would have been really cool, right? Didn't didn't, didn't oh, quite absolutely. have the lightweight didn't have the lightweight equipment then that we have now. And the racing thing, my dad had a race car when I was a kid at a, a local track, Seacock, Massachusetts, a little third of a mile racetrack, just a hobby junkyard race car with his buddies. That was from like nineteen sixty-seven to seventy-one. So he got out of racing when I was 10 years old for, for financial reasons. And probably when I, when I was 16 or so, he and I were at the races at that same track on a Saturday night. And we stumbled across the promoter on the midway of the track. And my dad, you know, struck up a conversation with him as, as uh, he's wont to do. And, uh, Hey, do you remember me? Oh, yes, certainly I do. How are you? And yeah, you know, this is my son. He's a, uh, he's a radio announcer. And, um, and he wants to be a, a track announcer, promoter, whose name was D. Anthony Vendetti, one of the legendary promoters in America, said, follow me, kid. And he marched me up the steps of the control tower and tapped the announcer on the shoulder and said, let the kid do the street stocks. And, um, and that's where I started that night. That wow. had to be a bundle of nerves to be put on the spot I probably like was too that. young and dumb to know. Probably that's what too I was young dumb say. to know. You know? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, definitely. Uh, so, did you did you run into any, any mistakes early on? I've been an, I've been announcing for ten years, and I still make mistakes almost every night. Uh, I don't know how you professionals really get. It. I guess when you make a mistake, you just try not to dwell on it too much. But uh, do you, do you have anything that's kind of memorable? Maybe calling the wrong driver, or uh, uh, maybe misspelling his la- mispronouncing his last name or something to that effect that sticks out.
0: I'm glad that the majority of my career did not happen in the YouTube era because <laughs> then all of those mistakes would live forever. Right, um, right, right. <laughs> you know, I, I, look, I, I'm sure there were plenty, but the one thing, I guess it's always been kind of a, um, a blessing for me. You know, I've always been, and, and, and maybe, you know, some people earlier in my career might tell you a little too so, but always been focused on being the best I can be. And how you, do from that is, how you do that is you review your work, you learn from your mistakes, and you move ahead quickly to the next show. Um, I can't do anything about the show that just passed other than learn right. from it, get better from it, and move on to the next one. And so I'm sure there's some real doozies out there somewhere, but um, hopefully I learned from them and moved on. Well I got to
1: ask you what actually our producer sent this question over he wants to know what your cj wants to know what your most memorable interview was
0: most memorable interview George w Bush as candidate for president of the United states uh Pepsi 400 daytona nineteen I guess that would be what ninety Ninety-six. Yeah, ninety-nine. 2000?
3: Ninety-nine. Yeah, probably be,
0: ninety-nine. Yeah, it would be ninety-nine. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, Mr. Bush came to to the race as a candidate, invited by you know NASCAR's owners, the France family, and and he came to the broadcast booth. And you know when you're when you're when you're calling a race, especially on radio, um. You know, your eyes never leave the racetrack. But if someone comes into the room, you sense their presence. And Barney and I are up there and we're calling the race. And, and you know, I just felt this presence of a person standing behind me. And I, I looked over my shoulder and there was George W. Bush. And he's standing up on the, 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 the riser of the broadcast booth between Barney and I, and he's just looking at the racetrack. And so, you know, instantly it's like, whoa, we can't hold this man up. Let's get him on the air and do the interview. And he's, he's you know, I'm looking at the producer, and, and Mr. Bush is going, he's pointing at the racetrack. And he says to me, literally, I pulled the ear of my headset off, and he said to me, this is the first time I've been alone all day. I'm having a blast just watching the race. You guys keep doing what you're doing. That's awesome. and. Uh-huh. When it was time to interview him, um, could not have been more personable, could not have been more pleasant, um, real genuine person. And, you know, when he came back to the the Daytona 500 as president of the United States um, was uh, was really, really an interesting experience to see how the world around him had changed in uh, in four and a half, five and a half years, four and a half years. Uh, right. And his father, I got I got the chance to interview his father also when he came to Daytona as president. Uh, they did a pool interview, and um, and I got asked to do the interview. And uh, what a fascinating experience for a young kid from a small town who uh, talks on the radio about cars going around in circles to interview the president of the United States, surrounded by the Secret Service and the TV cameras and the handlers and and the rest and and. um Mr. Bush forty one could not have been a kinder, nicer individual to speak with and, and to spend just a few minutes with. Um, those are the two most memorable interviews of, of my career by far. That is, that uh, is Alan, awesome. now you Go ahead, Chris.
3: Alan, this is this is Chris. Um so like my most memorable moment of you being a commentator-broadcaster, of course, would have to be lessons that he learned from his father uh, when Dale Earnhardt Jr. took the lead um, at the uh, Daytona race in 2000, yeah. 2001 into the July race. You were, at that point in time, you were already a seasoned broadcaster. People knew who Alan Bestwick was, but when you come into the scene in 1986 uh, around that area, you were a young a young guy, obviously 26 years old, 25 years old. How did you, how did you, how did you gel with the, with the older broadcasters? I mean, you were in the presence of people like Chris Economacki, uh Barney Hall, Ned Jarrett. These were the people that had set the standard for you in this day and age. We're so much about TV broadcasting, but those were the golden voices of radio. Tell us about how that worked out in the beginning years.
0: Well, it's it's funny because where I grew up, you couldn't hear MRN at that time. Um, and local racing was everything. Uh, my heroes as a kid, racing heroes, you know, the, the, the cup guys were people that you saw a few times a year on CBS or on Wide World of Sports in those days. And the NASCAR Modifieds with people like Bugsy Stevens and George Summers and Ron Bouchard and Jeff Bodine. Uh, those, were the, those were the racing heroes. Um, but as I got off into my broadcasting career, I ended up, um, you know, moving a little further south, and MRN became kind of a presence in my listening life and had a sterling reputation for producing great broadcasts and, and so on. And I got the opportunity to interview for a job, and um, a job that I ended up getting, and I went to work at MRN in a not-on-air role. I actually started it in the business office. Um, didn't have anything to do with being on the air. culture of the broadcasts, the the standard of quality set that was started by Ken Squire and passed to right. body Hall and passed right. to Mike Joy and Eli Gold and all the rest of us down the line. Um, uh, the care that they brought to making sure they did a quality broadcast that respected the efforts of the competitors, the efforts of the promoters, and the desires of the fans. Um, If you paid attention in any kind of way, um, you couldn't help but absorb that culture. Yeah. You hear sports oh teams talk about culture and that kind of thing. Well, MRN right. was, was a culture and absorbing that culture was, uh, was, I mean, it was just a wonderful thing. You know, it just was a wonderful right. thing. The care that those people took about their broadcasts um, right. obviously had a, had a great impact on me.
3: Well, and you've worked with Rusty Wallace and obviously I've, uh, Seen Rusty as a driver, and then I watched him as a broadcaster through ESPN. But it's, he, he completely changed his style of broadcasting when he went to MRN. And he's, he's, he, it's like he'd become more affluent with what he was doing. And, and so that makes perfect sense what you're saying about the culture. Of MRN, And of course, Eli Gold. Uh, I live in Mississippi. I'm a big Alabama fan. Um, I can tell you stories of being a teenager listening to Eli Gold on the radio. Um, He just had a way of being able to talk to people. You always knew the graphics of every detail that you couldn't see through the radio. And that's something that to this day, MRN still is, is, you know, top dog, I believe on how they broadcast, because it, you can literally just close your eyes and watch the broadcast through your own imagination.
0: Yes. Well, it's one of the great beauties of the medium of radio, right? When, when you're on television, you can see the pictures. The challenge is to add to the pictures, uh, which requires a, a, a discipline all its own. On radio, you are the pictures, and there's a great freedom that comes with broadcasting on the radio. Uh, but it also, to do it right, requires great discipline. And, um, you know, the people, the people that I was around, the, the, give you, just give you an example. I remember very early on in my time at MRN sitting in the old broadcast booth of Daytona and not like, the one before the current one, like a few generations ago (laughs) and having a conversation with Barney Hall and Barney looking at me and saying, son, let me tell you, you can never go wrong by doing things on the air with a little class and a little dignity. Well, first of all, doesn't that sum up Barney Hall? Uh, But second of all, those words I have never forgotten. And, tried my best to embody during the course of my career, because he's exactly right. You can't go wrong by respecting the event you're covering and by you know, executing your coverage with, with class and with dignity.
4: So, you, once again,
3: we're going to emphasize a little bit more on the culture of it. The Yankees, it's not the power hitters that beat you. It's the pinstripes. New England, the Patriots, it's how they it's it's how they play football that wins them the game. At MRN, they they practice that, and and each person and individual that's gone through there has adopted that and has been able to carry it to other to other places. Alan, you're one of the few commentators broadcasters these days that didn't have a uh, a lot of experience racing race cars. You 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 were basically groomed as a broadcaster a commentator. Um, do you feel that like I feel? that there's a certain presence that's lost in today's broadcasting that, you know, Mike Joy, he's kind of one of the, he's the old shield there. But uh, once you get past him, Dave, Dave Moody's done a great job, but you know, he's not really on the TV scene. Have we lost that effect there in the broadcasting through the TV side?
0: No, I don't think so. I would disagree with that. Um, Most all of the people that are, that are doing the telecast these days, first of all, I consider friends. So let me, let me put that out there. Up front and, um, you know, take take whatever you want to to filter that through my opinion. But I I consider them friends, first of all. Second of all, I think, you know, look, I I mean, knowledge of what it takes to accomplish the job. When you talk about television particularly, you can see the pictures. You can see that those two cars are side by side. You can see that yourself. And our audience is sophisticated enough to be able to make some of those determinations all on their own. Right. So what's going to add to the broadcast? What's going to add to that broadcast is knowledge. No, I can't tell you what it's like to drive a race car in the draft at Daytona. I can't tell you what it's like to barrel off into turn one at Indianapolis and have to decide whether I've got a lift or I'm going to get that spot. I can't tell you that. Right. But Dale Jr. can. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Gordon can, and, you know, I can't tell you what adjustments you need to make as the afternoon goes on and the track rubbers up at in Indianapolis, but Steve LaTarte can, right. you know? So I don't think, you know, in, in the context of the, the television's job is to add to the pictures. Um, that's great information and great perspective to have. Now, you, you know, I always looked at my role as, as the person who knits it all together, look. There's there's 40 cars in this race. There's something happening with each and every one of them. There's there's 40 different things happening on each and every lap. The way people watch television, there are few people that sit through a race from lap one to lap 500, or mile one to mile 500. Few people. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, Your job has to be to understand how people watch television and make sure that when someone comes in on the race, if something happened before they got there that's pertinent to what they're seeing now, they know about it. And if there's something that's yet to come that's important, um, they might want to know about it, so they stick with it knitting all the details together from all these pit reports and all these opinions that the analysts are throwing and so on and all the different replays and graphics and statistics, that's the job of the play-by-play guy. And so there's different, different skills for different roles and, uh, and they're all valuable and all those perspectives are important. And, uh, and I think, I don't know if I could explain in enough words, how difficult it is to televise a race compared to some other sports, but the people in auto racing do a phenomenal job televising it, and they're some of the best in the business at it. Very good.
1: Alan, I got a question. I got a question for you. And this may be a sticky thing, but I'm curious to know why you didn't end up staying with TNT once they took over in uh, 06, 07.
2: Like, what was that? Well,
1: most
0: most networks don't like to share people. And, um, gotcha. in, in, uh, you know, TNT had six races. And to be blunt, six races wasn't going to pay as much with one network as, you know, 35 races was going to pay with another network. And I do have a family to support. So, you know, Absolutely. ESPN was a great opportunity. They were going to have, you know, a big chunk of the cup season, they were going to have the entire, um, Xfinity season, then nationwide series and, and Bush series and, um, and a great group of people and a, uh, and a good time. But, you know, I, Oh man, you were with the, you know. were with a great,
3: yeah. a great group there. Nicole Briscoe, Rusty Wallace, you, I mean, it was, uh, that was, uh, that was I think Dale Jarrett was still a part of the crew then there as well. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. DJ, Andy, um, Dave Burns, uh, uh, you know, Shannon, Jamie, we had, a, we had a great time, and, and that doesn't even get into the hundreds of people in the off-air crew that, uh, that were right. involved. Big Brad, um, yeah, great times. You know, the, the rights change thing is always difficult for, for the people involved in the sport. Um, you know, it's like a game of musical chairs, and the music is going to stop at a certain point, and not everybody is going to have a chair because networks don't like to share people, and branding becomes a thing. You're too associated with this network, so we want a, a group that's, you know, identifiable with our network and not the one that, you know. So it, it, it becomes a whole thing and it's it's part of the broadcasting business. And if you're gonna if you're gonna be in this business, you have to accept it and deal with it. Right. What
2: was your typical day
1: like i oh, go ahead, Greg. What was your typical day like for race day? Like when did it start time wise? What did it incur?
0: Uh, it 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 depends uh, a lot. Um, day race, night race, you know, so on. But you know, you, you don't you don't start preparing for a race broadcast on Sunday, right? Um, it it pretty much is a seven day a week job, and you know, you're always talking to people. You're always you know. So in a typical week, for example, in the ESPN years. Um, ESPN had a conference call Tuesday morning at 10 it takes television television production is time consuming and very labor intensive and so we would have this conference call Tuesday mornings at 10 where the production group the people that are going to produce the tape elements and the graphics and so on they needed all your best ideas for that weekend's race and they needed them Tuesday morning at ten. So basically, Sunday on your way home from the race, or Monday as it might be, you're working on the next weekend's race already. Um, in the ESPN years, a lot of them, I, I did a show in Connecticut on Monday. So I literally, I would land in Hartford, Connecticut at midnight, and uh, go to a hotel room and at 1 o'clock in the morning, send an email to the NASCAR Now producer for, with my notes for the the Monday show so they could get their editors started working on that in the morning. And then Monday morning I'd get up and I'd start to get my notes together for the next weekend's race so I'd be prepared for the conference call. Then I'd go into the studios and do a show, and then I'd get my car and drive a couple hours you know, home, and um, that'd be Monday night. You get up Tuesday morning, you're on the conference call talking about the next week's race. Wow. And um, so the process is – is relentless during the course of the season. Race day, um, usually up pretty early at the track in the garage area early. Um, You know, uh, it was um, an invaluable thing to me to make a, a circuit through the garage as frequently as possible. You always had your friends that were crew chiefs and crew members and so on. And you're talking to people, you're gathering intelligence. There's a, there's a point at which you have to, leave the garage when you're not a pit reporter and um, head around to the, the, the booth. And um, there are rehearsals to be done and tape to look at and pre-race segments to be done for sports center and all these different things. And, and then you're on the air. Um, so race day started pretty early and ended pretty late. Um, and it was a never ending process uh, week after week of um, intelligence gathering and, and thought and, and, You know, like I said, those those tape and and graphic elements—they don't happen by themselves. They're very labor-intensive to produce, so you have to arm your people with those uh, to give them time to do the work to make them look right.
3: Right. Definitely, 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 well above our pay scale uh, at the at the one hundred and ten Nation Race Chat Live group. Um, Alan, let's talk real quick about uh, the, the other endeavors that you've been able to dip into. Obviously, you've done a little acting, I've found out. Uh, first of all, I thought that you were in the Days of Thunder movie. That You can confirm that that's not true, right? It,
2: that is was not true. Herbie, I, was,
0: I was in Herbie. I was at Daytona working with MRN while they filmed Days of Thunder. So the office for MRN at that time was in the infield of the Speedway. So for days and days and days, race cars were going around the racetrack uh, filming the, the, the on-track scenes of that movie. And, um, you know, at, uh, at, lunch, at lunch break uh, from the business office at MRN, it wasn't hard to step outside and take a walk down Pit Road and see Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman and, and, uh, uh-huh. and the rest of the crew out there doing their thing. And Harry Hogg. Um, but, no, I was not in that movie. I, w- I was in Herbie. And uh that was a, a very challenging role. They asked me to play myself <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: I remember that movie though that's awesome. That's cool, yeah. Now you've also done college football. How did that come about? How did you go from i mean i, I know several uh you know uh, Eli gold, of course he does college football. Several of the announcers uh broadcasters can kind of go back and forth how did you get how did you get talked into college football?
0: They didn't have to talk me into it. I, I, you know, when I, As I said before, when I get into the business, I didn't get into this to be a race announcer. That's just kind of how things worked out. Um, right. And it was fine because, because I was a race fan. But I started doing football, basketball, and baseball. When ESPN lost the rights to NASCAR, um, they came to me and said, look, we still have the Indy 500. We want to keep you here. We'll make it fun for you. And I said, I'm listening. And they did. Um, so they, you know, they only had six IndyCar races a year. So to, uh, to keep me occupied and make it fun for me, um, they sent me off to do college football and college basketball and a little college hockey and uh, some grand slam wow. tennis. And, um, wow. And it, 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 yeah, it was a blast. And um, so I got the chance you know, to, to go to Wimbledon and the British Open golf tournament and the U.S. Open that I still do, and I've done college football from Texas A&M and from LSU and from Wisconsin and Washington State and you know Arizona State. I mean, you name it, and um, and it was fun. It was uh, it was a good time and um, uh, new experiences, new challenges. Um, you know, uh, it's it's funny because if if you work in NASCAR in the fall and you go in the garage on Saturday, people are talking about college football, the people that work in the sport. And on Sunday morning, they're talking about what happened in college football. So uh, it was a lot of fun to get a chance to, uh, to go out and do a lot of those, those things. And I still do some of it uh, these days, not as much as I'd probably like, but some and, um, and, uh, and great, great, great fun, really great fun. So that
1: brings up my next question. What are you doing with yourself now? What is
0: What keeps you busy? Well, I'm, uh, when ESPN's management changed and uh, some of the financial troubles hit the TV business and they lost the Indy 500, um, you know, that, uh, that wasn't a great thing for my contract. And um, so right now I'm, uh, I'm just kind of a freelance broadcaster. I work on uh, little bits and pieces here and there. This, this past year I did some college football in the Ivy League. Um, I work the U.S. Open tennis tournament for the, U- the U.S. Open themselves. Actually, they have to produce a world feed that goes out to 72 countries or whatever it is, and um, oh, that's amazing. I, I work on that for uh, two or three weeks every year. I uh, I was the voice of the uh, 11-time national champion UConn women's basketball team for their uh, television broadcast through the New York Mets network in New York City through SNY, and um, you know just things that come up, do a little, uh, little phone call here, a little phone call there. Hey, you interested in doing this? Yeah, sure. No, no, I'm not, you know, so I'm uh, just right. living the life of the freelancer right now. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting time in the sports business with the whole uh, coronavirus thing going on, but, um, but, you know, we'll just see where it all goes and hopefully all come through it on the other side sooner than later.
3: Any yeah. major interest in coming back i mean i I thought it was rumored that you uh could make a cameo to be with Fox Network this year, um, but unfortunately, those rumors were not true i guess um any any interest to come back full time to be a, a commentator or broadcast
0: I never said never um, you know rights and things are are they're fluid all the time but um you know those jobs are all occupied by people consider I consider friends of mine and I wish them nothing but success with it and um right. should something come open down the road I would certainly be open to it but you know the odds of that in this day and age um I don't consider it highly likely
3: wow I just you're so young still I mean you you still it feels like we haven't seen the the, the last of you on on television or through that, but uh, with all these other endeavors that you do, it's, uh, you know Joe Tessatori, When I the moment I heard his voice uh, on Monday Night Football, I was like, that guy. He's like he is enriched in my brain as a boxing commentator, as a boxing broadcaster. And uh, you know it took it took a little bit of time, but I got used to him uh, being on a Monday Night Football. Unfortunately, I think they've uh, they've ended that for him as well. So but uh if if i heard you uh doing wimbledon or, or the us open or something like that it would definitely be odd at first but i i feel like just hearing you broadcast again uh on one of these major networks would be would be awesome so who was kind of the mentor that you that you who who did you kind of get close to as you were in your early years of broadcasting who did who did you feel like you you maybe not copied, but we all learn something from people and we we adapt that to ourselves. Who was that that kind of influenced you,
0: Alan? Well, I always had a wide range of of influences because I've always had a wide range of interests in in broadcasting. From the time I was young, I was one of those kids that sat there with an AM radio, you know, trying to listen to every signal from some Mm -hmm. place far away that I could come, come up with. Um, right. I grew up in Rhode Island, which is between Boston and New York, so I always used to pull in the New York radio stations and the Boston radio stations, and and actually Providence was a phenomenal radio market when I was a kid. So so influenced greatly right. by by people, some of which you'd never have, would have heard of, like Salty Brine, who was a Rhode Island broadcasting legend on the radio. Um, Don Imus used to listen to all the time. Oh, uh, in the seventies and eighties. And then on television, people like Jim McKay, um, Jim was everywhere when I was a kid with wide world of sports, Um, you know, barrel jumping and um, Austria one week and the national demolition derby championship on Islip, Long Island, the next and the world track and field championships someplace the week after, you know, the Indianapolis 500 after that, Jim was, the consummate storyteller and uh, certainly one of my idols from the time I was very young. I never got the chance to meet him, uh, which is, which is uh, a shame. But, um, you know, someone who made you care and always respected the competitors and the audience in what he did.
3: You know, you said something about the AM radio side earlier, and I kind of just skipped over that. But I, I feel like this generation that's that's come about now, they they don't know the goldenness of, you know, having the lights turned off, laying down and trying to get that perfect signal from maybe an 870 or a, a 750 or 700, you know, out of Cincinnati or um, what was the uh, St. Louis, I think it was 1170 or 1120, something like that. I mean, I remember just as a child always trying to tune in these radio stations on the AM side. And unfortunately, I believe this the generation now, they, they have YouTube, and, and it's completely different culture. But I'm still to this day a radio guy. I love radio. And I feel like that, that has been a major influence on what I've wanted to do. This podcast here has been influenced by my love for radio. I try to keep my face as much off of it. As possible because I, I I fall by the old saying that I have a I have a face made for radio you know so uh, uh, but but it's definitely influenced me throughout my life and uh, you, you know um, I just don't I, I feel like you know over the last twenty years AM radio has kind of silently been 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 put aside and, and I'm sure you feel that same way.
0: Well, you know, look, when I when I started out, my first paid job in radio was at a 1,000-watt AM radio station in, in uh, the next town over from my hometown. Today, those jobs don't exist for young people to learn broadcasting. But I didn't have the opportunity to do my own Facebook Live show back then, where, where people do now. In fact, one of the things right. that I'm – I'm working through in the evolution of the business is, you know, social media is such an important factor in broadcasting today. And, you know, for me, my, my, my career's focus was has always been the on-air product. I was always worried about the television show or the radio show. So to spend time and focus on the social media aspect of it was, 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 um, it's not in my broadcasting dna but i'm having to relearn that as we go <laughs> forward and I'll, i i i can turn around i you know tomorrow night i could do my own television show if i want and it's you not did? limited to the it's not limited to the distribution of my radio station or my tv network it's available worldwide to every possible human being who has access to the internet right isn't that amazing, Alan? So, that is so amazing. So, so young, and and we, young, you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't think it's not being considered, but I'm having to learn a lot of things about that. You know? And right. to, to gather mass, enough of a mass audience to monetize it is, a, is another you – know, that's a whole business problem. But you know, young people can create content today. We didn't have that opportunity when I was younger. Um, So those radio opportunities may have gone away from young people, but they've got other ways they can create content and learn the business. The the cool thing to me is the formula for success is still the same. Understand your audience, work hard at your craft, produce interesting content. Yes. That formula hasn't changed from the old days of AM radio to – Doing a Facebook live show now—that hasn't changed, right. and I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah I've heard that
3: said so many times by Colin Cowherd, one of the uh, broadcasters these days, that
4: said, yeah. you know, has my
3: ear. And you know, Colin says, "Look, there's a lot of sports out there to talk about, but I want to talk about what my people want to listen to, and that's about football, and that's about basketball, and that's what we're going to talk about. You know, you don't get hockey scores on Colin Cowherd." He, he feeds to his fan base and that's that's kind of what uh, one of the biggest lessons to learn is it, when you have listeners you have to feed to that what they want to talk about what they want to listen to and that's uh that's that's a that's a hard lesson to learn I think in in the uh, in the radio business and in, in the broadcasting business
0: you you have to understand the business of the business so People talk about, you know, well, ESPN doesn't talk about NASCAR anymore. Well, ESPN doesn't carry NASCAR anymore. What's the business profit to them to spending a lot of time on Center talking about NASCAR? Exactly. The business profit to them is talking about things they show on ESPN, which is the NBA and Major League Baseball and the UFC. Well, for NBC, right. they do have a lot of auto racing. So the business Motorsports galore. Then, yes, they've, made, they've built a business model around it. And mm-hmm. so what's in it for them? This, week, this weekend is a classic example. Getting IndyCar and NASCAR to run a race at the same speedway at the same time. What's the benefit? First of all, expense. You're televising both series from the same racetrack on the same weekend. You've made it much more economically efficient to do so. Mm-hmm. And the right. next part is the cross-promotion and cross-pollination of the audience. You know, wow. to, to, you know I mean, it's, it's, it's brilliant for one network it is. that has both series to be able to get this done, which you can thank Roger Penske for, by the way. But understanding I mean, the business. Right. Um, Alan, I got a question for you. We yeah,
4: we're,
3: we're probably going to have to close here pretty soon,
1: um, but go ahead, yeah. Um, and actually, CJ's got a question for him too. Are there any tracks, regardless of any series—Dirt, Formula One, IndyCar—that's left on your bucket list to go to that you've never been to, never
2: called a race at, been a, been called a race at? Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Absolutely, never been to Le Mans. Well, would love to see uh, the Le Mans 24 Hours. Um, I've never been to Laguna Seca. I you know, just for whatever reason. I've never been to Laguna Seca over all the years. I've never been to Monaco. Um, oh I probably my gosh. don't have enough I mean, money, I probably don't have enough money to go to Monaco. You know?
3: <laughs> well well <laughs> for, said.
0: For well one said. We
3: these guys these guys they don't do they don't do the F one in the in the sports cars the way that I do, Mr. Allen bestwood, but I know exactly what you're saying. And I think everybody should know that you've got to have a lot of money if you're gonna go to Monaco. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um brakes trucks full. Yeah.
3: Yes. <laughs> hey, seriously, CJ. If you don't know about Monaco, that 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 their their uh their general salary there is is like Dubai. I mean, it it was Dubai before Dubai, obviously. So uh, yeah, Monaco is a is a very very expensive place to live. Yeah, Mr. CJ Sports. Let's bring Let's let's bring in our producer here, who uh who uh makes all this happen for us, Mr. CJ Sports. Uh, what question do you have for Mr. Alan Bestwick?
2: You know I've I've been blessed over the last handful of years to be able to go to probably about 10, different tracks and about 50 events over the, that period of time and throughout the three different series. And I know what it's like to be at the track, be at the media center, be out there with the fans and everything else. My question was, I was hoping that maybe you're still very interactive with those that are calling the races and that are down there. I know Hannah Newhouse is with MRN. She's been on the show many times. Um, what, what's the feeling like? What, what is it like for them now? With, we're talking about how things have changed. Well, with this whole social distancing, what's it like for them in the business now having to do this with a microphone six feet out? And what is it like, the atmosphere like, not having the fans there? Have you talked to anybody? What's, what's the general census, and how are they adjusting to it?
0: Yeah, sure. I, I've been in touch with uh, with a few different people that have been involved. Look, it's strange, right? It's strange for the drivers. It's strange for the teams. It's strange for the officials. Um, the way the broadcasts are being produced is strange. I mean, this weekend, you know, NBC's announcers are going to be in the broadcast booth at Charlotte Motor Speedway, That's calling great. the races from from Indianapolis. You know, um, so it's different. Look, I've 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 done. I did the Australian Open from Los Angeles, you know, tennis. So it's part of where the business is going. What they're going to lose is the personal relationships and the personal contact um, that that you develop by being on the road with people week after week after week. But look, it's a pandemic. This is a, you know, hopefully – a once in a generation a once in a lifetime thing so we're all dealing with different things you know i went i went i saw a friend tonight who works in the restaurant business this is a thursday night and they had reservations <laughs> for six, 16 people in their restaurant period 16 people not 16 tables 16 people they're suffering it's a pandemic it's going to be different we just have to get through it Do what we need to do to take care of ourselves and our families and our friends and our community, and we'll come out the other side of it, and we'll start to to get going again and and eventually rebuild back to normal. Normal may change a little bit, but um, for now, you 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 just make the best of it, and you get on with it.
3: But, Alan, do you believe that NASCAR is really learning maybe a future of how to handle things and how to do things? Based off this pandemic, we've had Wednesday night racing and Martinsville well under the light. We've had a triple header at Pocono. There's been a lot of things that NASCAR has had to do different. Do you think some of that's actually going to fold over once this pandemic is over? And does the business model go back to what it was, or do you see sufficient efficient changes coming up in the, in the future for, for motor racing?
0: In some ways, the pandemic opened the opportunity to make some changes that needed to be made. The, the scheduling, the midweek shows, the just show up and race, um, brilliant, brilliantly taken advantage of opportunity by NASCAR and the race teams to try some things and establish um, here's what it can be and let's get an idea of what it really does save us money-wise and how it affects our competition. I can tell you television of NASCAR will never be the same again. Right. Um, I, had an I, exec- I had an executive at one of the networks tell me you will never I – mean, we used to bring 178 people to Indianapolis to do the Indy 500. Right. You will never see 100-plus people on the TV crew at a racetrack again. And right. I challenge you to notice the difference given the technology of today. So, yeah, things have have changed. New ideas have been learned. Hopefully, they're all employed for the betterment of the sport. But, you know, included in that betterment is the economic health of the sport, which is important because things can't keep going the way they were. Right.
3: I, I never thought that I would say get rid of qualifying, get rid of practice. But I love it. I love the fact that these guys are backing these cars off the trailer. They're rolling through inspection. And then they're going out and racing, not just one race in the same car, but two races. I mean, that to me is as exciting as four hours of practice and, and an hour and a half qualifying. I mean, I, I, just, I just can't get over how, how awesome it is to know that these drivers, it shows that they are, they are the best of the best. Because what other sport can you roll out of the, the back of a trailer and go out there and, and race for 500 miles and, you know, not not miss it, not miss anything, you know. I think a lot of people thought that these cars were going to crash into turn one as soon as the, the green flag jumped, and it didn't happen. And we've continuously done this new product, and it's worked. And so as for a fan, it's not as time-consuming either, because as a fan, a real fan, I'm talking a real fan, I didn't want to miss practice, I didn't want to miss qualifies, I wanted to watch every series that was on there, and it gives it gives the consumer a chance to say, "Hey, I can still have a life and sit down on Sunday and enjoy a race." It really does. It, it impacts our lives in so many different ways, and and I, I commend NASCAR for for going out in that extra mile, you know, and, and 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 creating this new product. You know, I'm not saying that football players can go play football without all the practice and the and the and the the the. Uh, the the nourishing of their bodies and all that—they they can't just go out there and start playing football. They can't just go out there and start playing basketball. But our race car drivers—they prove they can back it off the trailer, go right out there and race for 500 miles. I Believe that is absolutely the coolest thing in the world. I know that we're running out of time with you, Alan. And uh, I, I do want to—I do have one last question. I, you talked about George W. Bush being your most memorable interview. I want to know that race that stands out—the race that you had just you when you think about your career what is that one race where it's just everything was different or it was just a special race give us that one please
0: too many to list um i know a lot of I know people the think Dale about Jr. that one had to have been a, well, I, yeah. I know a lot of people think about that when there were a lot of reasons that was memorable obviously the circumstances we were there under the outcome um it was the first race on nbc um you know, with that group, and uh, it was a special night, and obviously it's something that I've become known for over the years, and I I completely respect that. The Tony Stewart Carl Edwards Championship race at Homestead. uh, Oh, wow. Awesome. Amazing. Um, But, you know, just about every – I've got enough stories Uh, to put in a book that would be a 1,000 pages long, and they come from the very ordinary – you know, trip to some place you wouldn't think about to the most spectacular races on the planet. Um, you ride it, it. out by. <laughs> you ride it out
2: by.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to. Um, believe me, I'm working on it, but it's it's getting too thick. <laughs> yes, but, you know, they're all, they're all special. And the thing that I just come back to the most over the years is the people along the way. I've made so many wonderful friends and so many wonderful memories over the years that you can't I, I couldn't ask for more. You can't replace it.
3: Awesome. Oh, it it oh, was sorry. such an honor to have you on. I know that my colleagues here uh, are, are just as excited as I am. Somebody who has, you know, uh, we all share the same interest, right? I mean, or we wouldn't be on this show here tonight. Uh, we've all loved the radio. We've all been influenced by people like you. Uh, but to have, I think I've listed you as one of my, you know, top, top of people that i would love to have on the show and i never thought that i would even get one or two of them but to have you on has just been absolutely amazing it's it's almost a an early birthday present or just probably one i'm, I'm happier than i have been in a long time so uh thank you for taking your time out of your day to be on this yep. show and uh um uh, craig mr cj sports do you have anything to uh to ask before we let uh mr bestman go no, I'd just like to thank you for uh, taking, as Chris
1: said, I'd like to echo his thoughts. Thank you for taking time out of your night to visit with us for the last hour. It has definitely been informative. Um, again, I look forward to more of your work. My father just retired from working in AF, FM radio for over 50 years. He retired uh, the 30th. And he said the same thing. He said the same thing that you said. When when trying to do his radio show, he tries to bring it alive. He doesn't he didn't want to make it boring. He didn't want anybody to fall asleep. He had to find new ways to to keep his listeners every day. And uh, I know, and because it was my dad, I thought he was just blowing smoke. And even though I knew what he was saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, dad, you're just telling me that. And then to hear somebody else say that, I was like, hey, maybe he was onto something. So Lessons I want to thank you man. very much. What's that? Lessons from the old man. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, again, Mr. we I going to thank you very much, and uh, thank your wife for allowing you to jump on here for with us for the last hour. It has been an honor and uh, privilege.
0: But, well, you're you're too kind. It's been fun, and uh, we all share something in common, which is a passion for for racing and for broadcasting. And uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a great ride. Let's not stop now, right? No, Absolutely no, we want you not. back
3: again, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to hear, man. Uh, we'll be glad to invite you on again and and actually let you get into some of these stories that I feel like are in a, in the books you're writing. I mean, you are you're writing a book, right? I mean, come on now. Are you writing the book or is it just still in your head?
0: No, no, it's I'm picking away at it a chapter at a time here and um wow. Yeah, hopefully it's Hopefully it turns out to just be a book of stories because nobody really cares about me, but I've got some stories that uh, that I think would be fun for people.
3: Well, I've got well, a fifty dollar we... bill right here with your name on it, so if I need to go ahead and put that into deposit, <laughs> I want one of the first ones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Very kind of you. Again, thank Thanks. you very much. Deeply appreciate it. And uh,
0: all right, y'all, y'all be good and then, uh, and have fun watching Indy this weekend. I'll be watching with you. Yes, right, sir. Thank you very sir. much. Bye, bye. Right. See
3: ya. Well, I, I'm like a schoolgirl with braces that just got asked to the prom by the cute guy. I'm not gonna lie to you. I know you. Like, I can tell.
1: <laughs>
3: never, never. You don't ever see me this way. I promise. Wow. Oh
2: my god. You, you know they call I'm it in, in. In,
1: in the world of in the world of sports entertainment. I think they call that marking out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. When you meet your, uh, when you meet your, uh, one of your radio here, when you meet one of your uh, favorite people and.
3: uh, Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm a fan. I mean, I'm a fan of this guy. I am. I mean, he, he has influenced me, you know, Craig, we could talk about our stories of how we wound up here, but you know, I was that, I was that 12 year old kid with a tape player that, that recorded my voice and acted like I was a disc Uh jockey and acted like I was calling races. Uh And, you know, never, never ever did I think that I would ever have the the experience that I've been able to accumulate over the last 10 or 15 years uh, doing, you know, a hobby that I love. I mean, it's a hobby. It doesn't pay me. It doesn't pay me well, you know, I'm not, I'm not able to call it my career, but you know, it's definitely, you know, but it started at that age, right? And it started with influences of Mr. Bestwick. It started with influences of Eli Gold and Ken Squire and Chris economacki and that, you know those are you know those are the ones that have that have you know um, uh, uh, what was uh, Joe Buck? Joe Buck's dad, not Joe Buck. Joe Buck's father, uh, 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 Harry Terry. You know those are the uh, Bob Euchre. Oh my gosh, I, I I was watching Major League Baseball yesterday. And realize that uh, one of there's a scene there that, and I use that phrase all the time. And I'm like, did that really come from Major League Baseball? Because I've used this phrase so many times, and didn't even realize that I'd probably picked it up from that TV, you know, from from that from that movie. Uh, but uh, wow, I mean, it's just absolutely amazing to have one of your heroes, basically, you know, one of your uh, mentors. Uh, come on to the show here, and and, and just give us an hour, almost a solid gold man. I mean, that's just uh, I'm a And to be right
1: apologetic now, that it. he's and to be apologetic that he was five minutes late.
2: Uh, oh yeah, he sent me a message <laughs> about
1: quarter on and said, Craig, I'm gonna be about five minutes late, and I said that's fine. I just need the last four year um, last four of your phone. But again, I couldn't. I was I was just sitting here. Uh, listening to him and we all have radio heroes you know growing up mine was growing up mine was Wolfman Jack I remember listening to Wolf Jack and of course my father who's been like I said been in radio 51 plus years and just retired and you know and and as I was going through broadcasting school my my instructor and, and people like that you just sit there you get to meet them and you're like like you said, you're a, a schoolgirl with braces. Well, you might be a schoolgirl, but I'm a schoolboy with braces and nerdy-looking glasses. Um, and, I mean, it's the same thing. Listening to him talk, I was sitting here in awe, just listening and, and glued on to every, every single word. And, you know, they say people have a radio voice. And people say that yeah. about me or just say you change your His voice is the same on the telephone. Than it, than you hear and that you would see on television,
2: so
3: right. You know, okay. I, again, I'm just really grateful that uh, authentic, authentic. Wow. Yeah, we we could probably uh, spend the next 30 minutes talking about how awesome that interview was. I do believe for oh, that's the greatest interview ever on on Race Chat Live. That's the greatest interview ever on the One Ten Nation. Uh, guys, I, I, it's just going to be hard to top this one. I mean, if, if we could get Sean Connery, if we could get Sean Connery in here, I, it may be, it may be equal to just because that's another voice that I love to listen to. Uh, my name's Sean Connery, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we should go ahead and move on to to, to what we need to to talk about here tonight. And uh, absolutely, guys, I will, actually I will be. I will be replaying this show a million times, not only in my head, but through the podcast as well. So if we actually get up to a million listeners, it's probably 999,000 of them actually come from me. So, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, uh, so we got Taz that's coming on, all right? Is he ready? Yeah, Taz is going to come on and give us the, uh, uh,
1: the local dirt update and what didn't happen at Fonda the other night, and what's happening down in Orange County tonight. I'm sure he's watching it on Dirt Turn Digest television while we're on the air. And then what's going to happen in Fonda this week along local tracks. Kaz, are you there? Sure I am. All right, buddy. Um, So, obviously, we didn't go to Fonda Wednesday night because of the rain. But you were there Saturday.
4: Uh, Or you watched it on on Saturday. Yeah, for weekly rundown, uh, kind of quick before I release some news in terms of uh, what was supposed to happen last night at Fonda and, of course, uh, another news coming up for a local track around here. Um, we'll start with Friday night at Albany Saratoga. Uh, Jeff Melt Sr. picked up the Street sock feature win over Al Rellier, Zach Daniels, Paul Bramer, and Caleb Shepard. Uh, limited sportsman was Garrett Pullen taking the win over Yule Cook, Taylor Watson, Tyler Rapp, Jared Powell. Pro Stocks, Nick Stone does it again. Uh, He wins over Josh Kuhnrat, Luke Horning, Jason Melton, Dan Older. Uh, In the sportsman division, the hitman, Tim Hartman Jr., gets the win over Brian Calabrese, Connor Cleveland, Robert Bublack, and Mike Coffey Jr. And in the modified it, it was Matt Money, Matt Williamson taking up the win over Keith Black, Stuart Friesen, Matt DiLorenzo, and Anthony Corrego. Wait a minute. Wait Saturday.
1: a minute. Hold on. Hold on one second. You just said a name. That where did he finish? Where did Mister Freeze finish?
4: Third at Albany Saratoga.
1: Wow.
4: Go ahead. Um. Sorry. sorry. No, nope. You're good. Um, Fonda, on the other hand, um, Stuart Friesen and Jessica Friesen were not at Fonda. They went to Orange County, and I don't have their results from uh, over there on Saturday. But for Fonda, uh, this will come to no surprise for Craig, but in the four-cylinder cruisers, Ken Homback picks up win number two of the 2020 season. Over well, Dale Van Allen. <laughs> Uh, Dale Van Allen, second. John Napoli, third. Zach McSpirit, fourth. And Sean Hemstreet rounds out your top five. Street stocks. Luke Gan- Lou Ganzer, so I said that right, uh, picks up his first street stock win at Fonda end of the 2020 season over Dave Horning Sr., Jason Samroff, Mark Birch, and Josh Samroff. Al Relier unfortunately, was disqualified. Um, I'm assuming either didn't make weight or something in the post race tech. Uh, got him disqualified so not sure what happened there. Pro Stocks Nick Stone goes 2 for 2 on the weekend picking up the win over Jim Normoyle, Josh Kunert, Kenny Gates and Luke Horning. The Limited Sportsman John Young wins a huge bump wins by a huge and I don't fans are going to say this is dirty or I don't know what they're going to think but John Young just gets holds off Brett Mortensen for his first ever win in the Limited Sportsman uh, division. Uh, Carter Gibbons finished in third. Dylan Eldred and Stephen Gray round out your top five. The sportsman at Fonda, Chad Edwards, says third time is the charm. Picks up the win after finishing second in the last two uh, races at Fonda. Kevin Chafee, Jamike Soul, Tim Hartman Jr., Cody Clark round out the top five. In the modified, it was the Palmer Service Center, number 76 of Jeff's Hetzler picking up the feature win in his first ever win at Fond in his legendary career. Um, he gets the win over Rocky Warner, Danny Barry, Matt DiLorenzo, and Josh Hohenforst. Now that shook up the point standings for the Modifieds being that Stuart Friesen was not there. And Stuart falls from first to fifth, and Rocky Warner is now your points leader going into this Saturday. Then at Glen Ridge on Sunday... It was Tucker O'Connor picking up his first-ever sportsman win um, at Glenridge over Andrew Buff, Hunter Lap, Cody Ox, and Scott McCoy. Pro Stocks, Bo Ballard picks up the win over Andy Graves, Luke Horning, Jay Fitzgerald, and Tanner Warner. Limited Sportsman, Garrett Poling goes two-for-two two on the weekend. Uh, Ken Allen picks up the Street Stocks feature win. Uh, Josh Kane and Ray Young picked up the mini stock feature wins. Dan Ballard picked up the all-star slingshot and Sloan Cherko picked up the junior slingshot feature wins at Glen Ridge. Cool. Now in terms of Fonda from Wednesday night, I was actually there. Um, that we waited out the rain. Me and my uh, buddy and his dad and brother were there last night. And we're looking at the radar. We're like, okay, it'll pass through after like maybe 7 o'clock or something. Okay. And the intercom goes off and they're saying, we hear the driver's meeting going at 7 and we'll go from there. Then the intercom for the fans and there's a lot of speculation of, are we racing? Are we not? And they said that we are now moved to Sunday, July 5th. That is right. Fonda is racing on 4th of July and on July 5th this weekend. So 4th of July will be weekly show, all classes. Fans are in the stands as long as you social distance and bring a mask. That is a mandatory of bringing your mask. Um, so weekly classes are there for Fonda this Saturday, along with the Mohawk Valley Vintage Dirt Modified Series for round two of their points racing action and then Sunday is the Short Track Super Series um, that was supposed to race last night. They Now, for that one, they had 45 modified and 34 sportsmen signed in for the $10,000 modified 50-lap feature and the 25-lap $2,000-to-win feature. All of those guys are guaranteed... Uh, pit entry and race entry for Sunday. Fans who bought a ticket to get into the stands uh, last night on Wednesday are um, guaranteed free admission as long as they present their wristband that they bought on Wednesday. Um, if, and, of course, they're going to have an, any additional entries for racers to come in for the Modifieds and Sportsmen. Fans can still come in. It's $20 for for the Sunday event, seniors are $18 and kids 11 and under are free with pit admission being $30 for members and $35 for non members. Gates opening at four, hot laps at six, racing is at seven. All right, uh, I'm pro- still a
1: little perplexed. Maybe you can help me understand. Sure. Because I'm not understanding this. We brought this up. Maybe this between you and I over the next seven days or whatever can figure this out. Why are we lowing fans at Fonda, but not Glenridge? I
4: think, I think with
0: Glenridge,
4: their issue is how can we put fans in the stands by implying the guidelines given on top of how do we make money? And I think with, I think with this year, in terms of their car counts, they might bring in the fans. And I think with how they're going, it, I don't think and they don't have a drive-in option either. So I guess they may have a little bit of a difficulty in terms of what guidelines they can follow, which is probably why they can't have fans. Fonda, on the other hand, bigger facility, uh, different seating options. They have the drive the driving for the infield, so um, and of course Dale, um, being a big business guy, he's got to get his races in to make money, not and not only pay his drivers but also pay for all the staff because he has a series and two tracks to run. Right. All right. Go ahead and continue
2: with your uh,
1: report if you've got anything else. I just had to get that off
4: my chest before I forgot, because you know. That's okay. Um, Kroger Creek Race Park will open up for practice on July 11th from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. with a $10 gate fee. And their first race for weekly action starts on July 18th. Uh, $10 gate fee with a $25 entry fee, $20 uh, entry fee for if you enter two or more events, and a $10 adult predator entry fee. And they said starting... Probably around July 18th is when they'll release more of their weekly racing schedule. In terms, and they race the 600 CC mods, um, slingshots and a bunch of kart classes, along with the 518 LMRO Predator class that Mukherjee has uh, made and developed over his tenure of about a year, year and a half, I would say. And then Dodge City opens up on July 10th for their racing card. Once they race their card, we're going to find out how they do. And uh, 518 LMRO and Dodge City will be in talks of how to put together a four-to-five uh, race schedule. Um, we're 518 LMRO is only racing uh, special shows in terms of Ron Bachman Memorial, Um, Cancer Awareness Night Service Men and Women and Vet uh, Combo Night and probably throw in one or two other special events that is still in the works
1: Awesome Awesome So you'll be at Fonda Saturday night I was actually planning on going but I ended up booking a uh, 4th of July gig on Saturday last minute so I'm like well let me go make some money
2: but
1: you know, gotta make the money to pay the bills. They don't pay it themselves. Exactly. That's right. And it's the first. And it's the first gig back in four months, so I'm super excited.
2: <laughs> I don't know if I'll remember how how to hook up
1: my equipment, but I'll give it a whirl.
4: <laughs> I'm sure you're excited, but uh, I'll I'm gonna definitely try to be at Fonda because I'm really wanting to see the vintage mods. I haven't seen them in about two years race um and then um I'm definitely going Sunday since I was there Wednesday, and I got to work at five o'clock and head straight to the racetrack on Sunday to get ready to go over there
1: nice well, maybe I'll go maybe I'll stop by Sunday
4: <laughs> if, you, if you catch and me in open grandstands, I'm not if you catch me in the open Grandstands, I'm not far from the concession stand, so you you should be able to find me easy.
1: Well, of course you're not far from the concession stand.
4: I mean, I would I
1: wouldn't be either. That's where all the pretty girls hang out. Of course, your your girl may not like that, but that's where all the pretty girls hang out. So, Cass, I want to thank you very much. You got anything else for us?
4: Um, I think that's it. Um, one actually, no. Follow me on Twitter at TNT Network sixty one. Um, I think CJ Sports is uh, got me on there. Um, that's usually where I post a lot of the uh, race updates as far as usually Fonda goes. Put um, this then, guy on racecast five. Put him on our on our
3: site as well, man. Let's get this content shared because, thats I'm gonna tell you yeah. something. You make me you you make me feel like I'm no, not doing my job when I announce at a racetrack. You you just you you do this awesome. Like it, it, they say I don't take a breath because I run my mouth all the time. Man, you are informative. Man, I mean I know who these drivers are because you're coming on and you're telling us about them. And I think that's something that I'm missing right now. So and you're actually you're you're, you're 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 influencing me to want to give more information about our local
4: track. It's. Uh... It's a lot to take in, but uh, as, mu- as many people as I talk to over my course of uh, racing, it's, you get to know who the drivers are, where they race, and, and, of course, with how Dale runs his stuff at Fonda and how he runs his short track series, it makes me uh, become more into it. And, of course, um, talking with Luke and helping Luke out with what he does, it's definitely been an eye-opener. Um, but a lot of what I do now wouldn't be the... Um, I don't know if they're going to be listening in or not, but I have to thank... Oh, thank you, oh a huge thank you to uh, Jacob and Sharon Cagle down in uh, South Carolina of NASCAR Low Teams. They're the ones that kind of helped help me get started with in terms of media-wise. And then from there, it's been... Media plus track work and doing what I do, so it's been amazing, and I owe them a huge thank you for helping me open up doors. And here I am now.
3: Yeah, you're doing a great job, wow. and,
4: and I, maybe I need to
3: maybe I need to send some information and let you do our let let you do our local stuff too. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, I told you last week I, I like what we've added here. I hope that you continue to come on and give us updates uh, because uh, you know Craig and I we have our strong points. I think that's probably not a very strong point, uh, but but to have that interaction on this show is very important to the listeners. And I know there's a lot of people from up north that listen to it. We don't have so many people from the south because I'm not very well liked down here. Uh, but uh, that, I do I'm the dirtiest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I mean, you know. Uh, they call me the dirtiest voice in the South because probably because they don't like listening to me very much. But uh, (laughs) on a great note though, thank you for adding such an awesome thing to
4: our show. Well, I appreciate you guys for uh, bringing me in, having me on. And uh, let me tell you, listening to Alan Bessler for that interview, that was amazing. And uh, I think it's, I think between what you guys just told me now and listening to Helen Beswick, I think there might be a new spark lit in me somewhere.
3: I <laughs> 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 love it. Well, look. I love it. I'm going to tell you guys my shortfall this past weekend. I uh, I was told to do a trivia question. And uh, so, I, you know, they it was kind of like this quick thing. Hey, we need to get rid of some T-shirts. Uh, let's do some trivia. And they said, okay, so name the hometown that Jerry Inman was from. And I just looked at her, and I was like, well, well, what was the hometown? And they said, oh, Pontotoc, Mississippi. So I did the whole thing, and I was like, you know, we got a free T-shirt uh, for, if you could tell us, Mississippi Flyer, where Jerry Enman was from. Well, I was told Pontotoc, Mississippi. Well, every, people in the crowd started saying this and that, and somebody was like, Bruce, Mississippi. And I was like, no, not Bruce, Mississippi. It starts with a P, Pontotoc, Mississippi. All right, you're the winner. Well, I get on social media on Sunday morning and people won't told me that I didn't belong in racing, that I should be fired, and uh uh anybody that doesn't know where, you know, Jerry the Hall of Famer Jerry Inman's from that uh they had no business being in the booth. So I I really took it hard this weekend and uh you know, I mean it was a simple mistake. I, but I've always I've always felt like I should not say anything that I don't have personal knowledge about. And so uh I didn't, I didn't hold to that this past weekend, and I got caught. And I, at first, I was like, "Well, this, you know, this is what somebody else told me." And I was like, "You know what, Chris? Just take the blame, take it for what it is. You know, you, you'll have plenty of time down the road to redeem yourself." But uh, you know, I mean, uh, that's kind of the, how I started out with Alan. I wanted to know had he made any big blunders like that, you know? And I didn't, I didn't come clean on what my blunder was. But if anybody's listening, trust me, y'all. I know where Jerry Inman's from now. I was clearly told on Sunday where Jerry Inman is from, and he's from Bruce, Mississippi, which is a hot skip and a jump from Pontotoc, Mississippi. But, but for correction purposes, he was from Bruce, Mississippi. And I will never forget that because I was basically uh, shamed for for not knowing it. But that's, that's, that's a tough crowd out there. And so, Taz, don't ever be discouraged because even I – even I, after years and years of doing this, I still make mistakes all the time and people still you know, they when you make that mistake, people know but hey, you know what, you gotta you just gotta keep on ticking and uh and you know, uh move past all that. I'll be back in that booth again next Saturday, whether or not anybody wants to listen to me or not, and I'll try to be more knowledgeable and more prepared than I was this past weekend. And that's the <laughs> that's the only thing I can pass on to somebody else. Hey, Chris. Uh, uh, Yes. Hey Chris.
4: I wanna yes. and
1: I wanna do this with your permission, but I wanna add Taz as an administrator on the Race Chat live page. Oh so
2: that definitely. way he can uh,
1: If you're good with that, Taz, I will add you when I get back to the house. I had to run something over to my daughter. But because uh, she forgot something at home she needed for work. I don't know how you do that, but she's lucky I love her at nine thirty at night.
3: Uh, so bottom of the show here, and, uh, Taz, I hope that you'll join us again next week uh, as we come back on again. Uh, look, I want to get everybody's picks for this weekend because it's something we kind of shied away from, and I think it's very important that we put the predictions out. Um, you guys may not be very uh, knowledgeable of the IndyCar guys. I do want your IndyCar pick, and I want your Cup pick. We'll, we'll, we'll slide on the Xfinity because it's a, it's a road course race, and, uh, you know, it's probably going to be won by Austin Cendrick, So, that's my pick if you want to put an Xfinity uh, pick out there. Uh, but on the Cup side, uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, none other than Joey Logano. And on the uh, IndyCar side, I've got to go with my friend Joseph New oh, <laughs> oh,
4: boy. Tell you. Um you got Indy Car go I try to keep up with. Um I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a stab at it. Um I'm gonna go with uh Will Power for Indy. I, I don't care if he's good or bad. I know he's a top indie car driver, but I'm gonna go with Will Power on that one for Indy. Um for Cup. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to go with I'm going to shy away from the Harvick train and uh, (laughs) You just made Chris mad (laughs) uh, I'm going to either Go with uh, I'm either going to go with Joey Logano Or don't sleep on this guy Because he's been running good He just needs to figure out how to get a win In there but he's got a a Seven time crew chief uh, in that uh, Box over there William Byron Wow
3: Wow, that is that is interesting because I think we said he was on he was he was losing stock last week, but 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 you're you're that's a good sale, it really is. And you and you went back to the crew chief side, and we know that Jimmy Johnson knows how to win. Uh, he's got him a couple wins at the Brickyard himself, and, uh, and Hendrick Motorsports has always been strong at Indy. Uh, Craig Moore, what's your pick, man?
1: Um. For IndyCar, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Taz. I think uh I think Will Power will have the power to get it done. No pun intended. Of course there was a pun intended. Um that was a joke you're supposed to laugh. Thank you. I will be here I'll be here next week. Laughing
3: is silent. Think I don't know any IndyCar drivers to be honest with you, but go ahead. <laughs> I don't.
1: <laughs> and Taz is the bearded wonder, so I'll I'll stick with him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to go with on the cup side. Uh, uh, CJ is going to be real happy with this, although I don't think he can well, get out of his own way re- lately. But I, I'm I'm going to say that Kyle Busch finally uh, puts a W in the win column, wow. and he gets a win this weekend. Um, uh, he's got to do something, or Mr. Gibbs ain't going to keep him around very long.
3: Oh, uh, come on. He's the franchise. I honestly uh, wonder if David Hamlin is on his way to Hendrick Motorsports. But we'll leave that for another for another topic because it, Hamlin is as hot as he could ever be. We all thought Kyle Larson was going to be the big-time free agent at the end of this year. We thought at the beginning of the year with Hamlin uh, picking up the the Daytona 500 that, oh, it's a done deal, that they, he'll have a contract by the end, end of the year. Let me tell you something, if Keselowski hasn't signed a contract in the next couple of weeks, if Denny Hamlin has not signed a contract in the next couple of weeks, then we can almost guarantee that these guys are going somewhere else. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I just, you know, Joe Gibbs is not going to let Kyle Busch go. This is not the first time Kyle's had a slow start. He will be around come chase time. Kyle Busch picking picking him to win his first Brickyard 400, I think that's a solid pick, my brother.
1: Yeah, I think I – think, uh, I think Kyle Busch will do it. I was excited to see the one-two finish in reverse order this past weekend at Pocono. Going back to that, um, I thought it was pretty cool. Again, you know we'll have to see how NASCAR does with the schedule changes. And are they going to do another? Are they going to do another two race weekend in 2021? I don't think they've released the schedule yet. I haven't seen it come across my uh, desk yet at the in the bedroom studio computer I've got. (laughs) But I do want to, excuse me, I do want to get your take on something. Coriola Joy is going to be running a uh, special paint scheme This well. It's not even paint, it's vinyl. It's a wrap. Trump 2020. um, I want to see how, how close together... Corey Lajoy and Bubba Wallace race this weekend i
3: I, uh, I thought that they were they were buddies. I thought that they threw the football together and they were good friends um it you know it, this political thing in racing is just about as annoying as politics and, and and on on sports radio there's a time and a place for it, and you know if you're gonna have a trump twenty twenty car then you're probably going to have a biden twenty twenty car. Um, right. Nobody wants to see Hillary Clinton on the side of a race car, okay? Uh, so you know, if you don't like one side, I'm just not too happy about the other side as well. Um, we need a, we need sports to get back to being sports instead of political statements. I, I'm not downing Corey LaJoy, you know. Hey, if, if if Trump's giving him some sponsorship money, so be it. Because I mean, that is is the sport, and they're allowed to do that. But I feel like more that this, that this is, has something to do with the backlash of NASCAR and of Black Lives Matter being on the race car and all that. Uh, Mike Harmon, who you know hasn't finished in the top 20 in 20 years, who's more known for breaking his car in half at Bristol than he ever will be for winning a race. Um, you know he's making diecast cars and people are buying them because they say Blue Lives Matter. Um, you know, that's that's awesome. That's great for, for Harmon to finally get his name out there. But let's let's make a name out on the racetrack instead of putting some uh political statement on the side of a race car. Uh Corey's you know, he's had his face on, on, on the race car. I think that was probably the coolest uh, vinyl that I've ever seen, the coolest pink scheme I've ever seen. This one, you know, let's 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 try to drive political political correctness and political uh atmosphere out of racing again where it should be. And 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 on to Fox News and CNN. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's a free country, and at least he's been given the right to be able to run that team. Unlike the NFL, where you can't even wear a pair of cleats with uh, something said on them without approval first from from uh, from Mr. Goddell. You know. Um. So uh, yeah, you know, hey, it is what it is, and and good luck to Corey. Hopefully, he'll have a strong run this weekend. And uh, and hopefully, Mr. Trump wrote him about a million dollar check for that. I mean, we want to make sure that our campaign donations are going to something good. And if he's donated money to uh, to Fast Lane Racing uh, out of our donations, campaign donations, then so be it. You know.
1: I agree with you. I'm sorry. I'm I was taking a drink. So, CJ, is, CJ, who are your picks for the weekend?
2: C J yeah. Um Uh Um Infinity Series. You uh, were supposed to be there. <laughs> I was there. I just was muted. Uh oh yeah, I was supposed to be there, yeah, I guess. Um got this kind, of, kind of disappointed about that. Thing. That was gonna be my first trip to Indy. And uh, i was supposed to go to the zoo tomorrow. I don't even know that's gonna happen. It depends if they start making everybody wear masks again. Um I'm gonna go with Cedric for the uh and, uh Xfinity Series race. Um, I, I'll say Will Powers on Indy because I don't with any names of Indy no more. I don't keep up with Indy. Uh, once Danica left, uh, that was the only reason I even watched Indy. Um, so I, I don't keep up with that at all. The big win for NASCAR uh, this weekend, Monster Cup, uh, we not make a big deal and brand into, beat into the, the ground above the walls.
0: Uh, that name has been brought
2: up more times in the last two weeks than we've talked about him in years. Um, and I, I you, there's a bunch of there was a bunch of things that they screwed up on. It doesn't mean you force feed his name down our throats to try to make, smooth things over. Just a little bowl over. All this is eventually going to be in the past, and we're not going to care that NASCAR and Bubba Wallace and RPM all screwed up and uh, the garage full string is what they call the news. So everybody's going to get over that. And it doesn't. Everything doesn't have to be about moving Wallace all weekend long. Every weekend until this happens. Just okay, so let that happen. My pick. Accomplished, of course.
1: All right. So we're both going to yeah. be wrong, CJ. You're right.
3: Good pick. Good pick. I mm-hmm. like y'all's pick. You know. I mean. You know. I'm on that Logano bus right now. I think this is a a good year for him. Uh the, the cars are strong. Of course you know, everybody's looking to see what's wrong with Kyle Bush and, and how to how to, how to put all that aside then go out this weekend and uh and put a an ass whipping on the field. But uh, we want to thank all the listeners for listening in this uh to this awesome episode that we've had of Race Chat Live. Of course, you know, if you listen to the podcast, download it, share it. Uh, if you know, if, if this wasn't entertaining to our, to our listeners, I don't know what else we could do because uh, definitely uh, Alan Bestwick was a lot more entertaining than me and Craig could ever be, and uh, you know it's just an honor to have somebody like that come on to our puny little podcast and uh, and and give us some great content. I mean, really, uh, it's uh, it's amazing, and great job Craig Moore for landing that, and uh, hopefully we'll have him as a return. Uh, because he could do big things with Race Chat Live, he could he could literally take us and and uh, yeah, I mean the sky's the limit because Alan has that kind of influence in the racing industry. But uh, uh, we'll we'll cross that bridge later on. And uh, I want to thank all of y'all for being a part of the show tonight, Taz, Uh a great addition to the show as well, Mister CJ Sports. Thank you for having your time and uh, spending your time listening to the show. Uh, And uh, you know we'll be back next Thursday night. And Craig, I know you got to get up in the morning, so uh, we'll go ahead and. No sir, I
1: got no sir. I'm off tomorrow.
3: Well, imagine I wondered how he went to 37 minutes over what you would normally say is your bedtime, and not without any complaints. So, kudos. I didn't hear any complaining tonight about how tired you're going to be tomorrow.
1: No, no, no. That was yesterday. Listen, I got to tell you this because this is quite funny. Nothing to do with racing, but it does tired. Last night at work we were having computer issues and we need the computers to get our orders for for these people sitting at home buying wine, which we're very uh, grateful for. Be sure to check it out on firstleaf.com or whatever it is. You can buy your wine. Well, I was standing there. We were all standing there talking. I got quiet, they said, for about a minute and a half and I had fallen asleep standing up and my eyes were wide open. I'm like... Yeah, I yeah. should have taken a nap before I come to work. <laughs> my boss goes, do you need to go out to your car to take a nap? I'm like, no, nah, I'll be good. <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, no no work tomorrow. So my my work week is Sunday to Wednesday. So it is what it is. I'm off Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. But, guys, well, get out and support your local tracks while you can. Uh, up here at Fonda It's Fonda And I'm not sure when Albany Saratoga Is going to start welcoming uh, Guests in But get out and support your local tracks um, It's important to do that if you see one of your local drivers In the store Go on up and tell them And I know we see him quite a bit I see Rocky Warner Who I'm going to reach out to And try to get him on In the next couple of weeks um, Maybe I'll do that in for two weeks Um and I'll reach out to Brett Dayo, who is the promoter for Georgetown down in Delaware, and Fonda here in upstate New York. And you see them, tell them how much you appreciate what they do, and and it, it makes them feel good. It makes them feel like uh, they are an important part of your life. They're not just out there running in a, in a circle for you so and entertaining you. So make sure you do that. Make sure you tell them that, you heard about him on Race Chat Live, and we will talk to you guys next week. I actually will be back in the sunny state of Florida. Um, because my brother Christian, who does our opening, is getting married. So I am I'm flying down there for the wedding and uh flying back home on Sunday. So congratulations to my brother Christian and his wonderful his wonderful Fiance Tracy and uh, she knows What she's in for marrying into this family So uh, congratulations To them Chris Awesome show as always CJ thanks for all you do I definitely appreciate It and You know we couldn't do it without CJ And without Miss Lee and the Silent the silent but uh Deadly marketing partners we have Carolina Sports and uh, of course More Music Entertainment and Karaoke Maybe we'll come up with a trivia question For next week um, And you, Chris you said you got Goosebumps talking to Alan I did as well but I think I told you This last week when I was stopped at Daytona On my way back from Florida I got goosebumps I ended up stopping On the back near the back stretch in Turn uh, four And I didn't realize it and the hair stood up on my arms and then I looked up and I realized where I was at. And if you could take a guess where I'm at, I'll send you a t-shirt where I, where I got the goosebumps. I'll send you the t-shirt. It was right around the area that Earnhardt got killed in. I don't know what made me stop there. I was just trying to get my, my bearings as to the track. And then I realized where I was at and I was like, wow. But that place is a monster. We're going to hopefully we'll be able to get tickets and racing will be uh, racing will be uh, NASCAR will be allowing fans in the stands full capacity because uh, Zach wants to take me for a race for my 50th. So uh, that's all I got, man. Just get out and do just get out and uh, take care of yourself. Spend some time with your family. Have a safe and wonderful fourth fourth of July. I know here in New York, there are no Fireworks. Uh, except for the ones in our local city, and they've been going off since about seven thirty. So, but I want to thank you guys, and we will talk to you next week.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Thank y'all for being part of the show. Good night.
1: Good night, everybody.